2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy the false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This is the second installment of the series, Jesus at the Center of Freedom. At the end of today's episode are details about our ministry spotlight this week, the Brookwood Worship Choir. And there's information on the collective night of worship happening near the end of February. In today's episode, you'll see how Jesus reveals in Luke chapter 4 that he came to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Here's Senior Pastor Brian Jones with today's message, titled, Strongholds. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you are good today, Brookwood. It's good to be with you. Amen? Come on. Well, today I am talking about a subject I've been excited to speak about, a subject uh, called strongholds. And this was really transformative to me. And some of you, as I speak with this, you're going to resonate. Others, it might be a bit of a stretch for you. But one of the things I, I want to do too is I want to draw attention in your programs. If you'll flip that over to the back, you will see a link to a sermon that I did um, at the beginning of the year when we kicked off a, series, a sermon series called Jesus at the Center of the Church. And uh, one of the things that I know is we have a lot of new people here and they've been asking questions like, what do you guys believe? And uh, sometimes I forget that. Like the other day I mentioned JC in a sermon and someone pulled me along, outside, along, alone outside and they said, is JC short for Jesus Christ? And so uh, that's actually one of our amazing executive pastors who's over there. Um, yes, indeed. Don't you love JC? Let's give it up for JC Money. But I just realized sometimes you might be going, hey, what, what do we believe? What's Brookwood all about? One thing I want to invite you to is on that uh, QR code, there's a sermon that I did. And it's really, uh, what's interesting is I did the seven churches in Revelation. And remember, Jesus, if you were here, had a problem with almost all those churches. But there was one church that was called the model church. It was the example church. So if the Bible calls something a model or example, we'd be wise to study that to implement that. Just like you have a model or a mentor in your life, you follow their advice, their wisdom, you exemplify what they're about. And so we, we talked on this sermon, and one thing I want to say right off the start of this sermon is the two things we emphasize from there is that uh, the Apostle Paul says one of the reasons this is a model church is because the gospel goes forward in word and power. And so what I mentioned was, if you're wondering what Brookwood's about, and if you sit down with me and you say, hey, tell me what we believe, I'm not going to give you a Jesus juke answer, but I am going to sit down with you and say, hey, I'm going to tell you what Brookwood's about. First, it's about the Word of God. In a culture that is moving and drifting away from truth, and in a culture we call what's good evil and what's evil good, the church more than ever needs to be grounded in the Word of God. We need knowledge. We need doctrine. We need wisdom and discipleship. Amen? But in the midst of that, we also want to be a church that sees the power of God. It is both wings on an airplane. And so we want to be unapologetic that we want to see God move in an awakening. We want to see revival come. We want to see the supernatural outpouring, the miracles, the Holy Spirit move in a radical way. And what I've noticed is sometimes in churches we tend to pick one or the other. And so you get really focused on the Word of God where you downplay the power of God and the miracles of God and the activity of God. 
And then in other churches, it's like you focus so much on the supernatural activity that people don't have knowledge and doctrine. And so we want to be both. And so this is really what we're going to be talking about. Even today, what I want to do is speak to you from the Word of God about a power of God's subject. And it's really God's power to tear down demonic strongholds. And one of the things I sense is God is just pouring out his power and he's moving in quite a rich way. And, and one of the things, I don't normally do this, but, but someone sent me something from last week where they just felt like God spoke to them in power. And this is just quickly what he said. It was titled, The Strangest Thing, and I didn't know where this was going. But he said this, the pain that drove me to tears every day for the last year and a half seems distant and nowhere as painful as it was even last week or last month. After accepting God's forgiveness and forgiving others through holy forgetfulness and from a session of prayer, I find what used to occupy my mind and heart is now gone. My prayers have even shifted because now I have a holy forgetfulness. I no longer pray for relief from my pain or self-forgiveness. I am free. Amen. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you. We really believe God is in the business of setting people free. And that's really what this sermon series is about. But what I want to do today is talk to you about a power subject that really is going to be all based from the Word of God. This is not going to be from denominations. I didn't listen to other pastors' sermons. This is straight from 2 Corinthians 10, but it is a power subject on demonic strongholds. And let me tell you why this is so pertinent to me. Because for years, I had something I referred to as a struggle, an area in my life that I just really thought I would never find victory in. And I never really had this before, but one night as I went to bed, I woke up that next morning and God had given me a dream. In the moment, I didn't know it was from God. In fact, I thought it was just probably from some war movie I had watched that my dreams were being influenced. But I had this dream, and one of the reasons I knew it was from God is that even to this day, I can recall every vivid detail of that dream. But what I, what I saw in this dream, it was a picture of this map that was on fire. And the fire was consuming this map, but there was one spot on this map, one area that the fire could not overcome. And it just like the whole time, the fire was trying to consume this one spot and nothing was happening. So fast forward, I wake up, I'm not thinking anything about that dream. I've never really had God speak to me like that. I didn't grow up in a culture where churches talked about spiritual warfare. I didn't go to a seminary where we even spoke about really Satan and demonic activity. I had not read books on this subject. I had absolutely no understanding of these subjects. But as I sat down with God, I felt he just prompted me to go back to that dream. And he said, that dream was for you. And this is what he, in paraphrase, said to me. He said, in your life, what that map is, that's your heart. And the Spirit of God is the fire, and I am consuming your life. But there is one area in your life I don't have complete control. It is a stronghold. It is a spirit of lust, and it needs to be broken. Now, the problem is, if you're in my line of work and you speak to people about victory, it's problematic to not believe you can find victory. And so for years, I would preach to people about victory in life in Jesus, but deep down, I had an area of my life that I believed I was destined to grind it out for the next 10, 20, 30 years of my life that I would never experience the power of God. I knew what the Word said. I had knowledge of certain things, 
but I had no belief that Jesus could set me free in this area. And as I began to pray, what happened was God told me, bring this to light, surrender to me, and I'll set you free. Because I was trying to fight this thing in my own motivation, and so what I did is I brought it to my wife, I brought it to a few close people, I began to fast, I began to seek God, and I'm here to tell you, my wife will tell you this, my family will tell you this, that completely transformed my life. I am free from that area of lust and pornography that I never ever thought I would be. Completely free. And I say that not to say I will not have struggles, I will not have temptations, I have those things. But there was a darkness that was attached to this that was causing me to believe certain lies that became truth to me. And so what I wanna submit to you today, just right off the bat, is you can talk about victory all day long, but my question is, do you have victory in your life? You can talk about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, but do you really experience him as the Prince of Peace? It's one thing to know it in the word, it's another thing to have that in power in reality. It's one thing to talk about Jesus setting you free, but I ask you this question this morning, are you really free from your past or things that you are struggling with? Because I sat in a room like this and declared, speak the name of Jesus or whatever songs we were singing, but I did not have victory. And frankly, I wasn't even certain if I wanted to find victory. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you find yourself in a place where, where you just know you don't have victory, then, then one of the things I want to encourage you with, we're doing a series, you, you go, well, how can you encourage me? Because this is part of the job description of Jesus. This is not just Brian telling you some dream or something. What I'm telling you is in Isaiah chapter 61, think about this, I mentioned this last week. Jesus, when he starts his public ministry, what he reads would probably be pretty important, don't you think? If you have a press conference with a new CEO or a new coach, what they say at the beginning is probably gonna set up a little bit of where they're going, right? So if you have Jesus who is starting his public ministry, what he says, his first sermon, if you will, would probably carry a lot of weight, wouldn't it? And so in essence, what Jesus does is he goes, as he starts his public ministry, he reads from Isaiah chapter 61. And he quotes these, this verse, but really what he's sharing is what he's going to be about. And I mentioned last week, we talked about emotional healing. But today I wanna to talk to you about this subject of strongholds. And this comes from Luke chapter four, verse 18, where it says this, I have come to proclaim liberty to the captives and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now again, I, I wanna say this because some of you, the moment I speak, you're gonna go, that's it. And God's gonna open you up to this subject. Others of you, th this might be like me, the first time you've heard this. You didn't grow up in churches where anybody spoke about this. Um, you feel like this is a little much for you. You're like, this is my first day here. What church did I walk into? And, and I just want to say, everything I'm talking to you about today comes straight from 2 Corinthians. This is not influenced by another pastor, another denomination. This is straight from the Word of God. And let me just read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 over you again. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. 
I love how the NIV says it. It says this in verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So let me just walk through a series of questions that I think will help you as we unpack this subject about God setting us free in his power from demonic strongholds straight from the word of God. But let me just answer a couple questions. First, what is a stronghold? What is a stronghold? Anytime the word stronghold is used in the Bible, there are three definitions. The most common definition is this, and this is the one that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It means a strong fortification, but it can also mean a prison and a tomb. And so what I want to submit to you is this. In fact, this will be on the screen, but I really want to encourage you to write this down because this is really, really helpful if you're trying to describe what a stronghold is. But here's what I want to say to you, a definition of a stronghold. A stronghold is a lie that forms a thought pattern from demonic forces that keeps us from freedom and full life in the spirit. So let me just say this again. A stronghold is a lie that forms a thought pattern fueled from demonic forces that keeps us from freedom and full life in the spirit. So let me just say this. Think about it like this. In the Bible, the enemy is called the father of what? Lies. So what the enemy does with a stronghold is he comes to you and he gives you a lie. And what he's trying to do is get you to believe that lie and that lie to become truth to you. doesn't matter if it's true. It just matters if it's true to you. And so what he gets you to do, like me, is he takes a lie and he takes this thought pattern that's, I'll never be free. I don't even know if I want to be free. I don't know if I can actually find victory in this area. And then what happens is it's fueled by demonic forces. That's why it's so hard to break that because you would feel like there's this thought of helplessness and darkness attached. And what are those dark forces trying to do? They are trying to cut you off from knowing God. They are trying to cut you off from freedom and the life of the spirit. See, we live in a culture, you ever notice this? Hollywood makes it out like, ooh, Satan wants to kill you. But what's interesting is, I don't think Satan's all that interested in causing you physical harm. You pray about it, you ask God. What I think he wants to do is disrupt your life so you don't follow God. In fact, I think he can do more damage if you call yourself a Christian and yet you don't live like one or act like one. And so in essence, what Satan is interested in doing, he wants to give you some lies that are going to cut you off from the truth of God, get you to believe certain things, start to believe that it's hopeless, you'll never find victory, it's going to be fueled by demonic forces, and what it's going to get you to do is just sort of grind it out. I'll just sort of wait one day to find victory and freedom. It will cut you off from knowing God and the power that he has. It's one thing to say Jesus is victory, it's another thing to live it out in your life. It's one thing to say Jesus is peace. It's a whole other thing to live that out in your life. And so what Satan wants you to believe, honestly, is what I've referred to as situational atheism. He can heal the entire world, but he can't set me free from this. He can transform anyone, but he won't release me from this. And so he gets you to hold on to this thought. In fact, listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps us from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. So what are you destroying? You are destroying the lies that the enemy comes and brings you. And what do those lies do? Notice what it says, it keeps you from knowing God. 
It keeps you from knowing the power of God. It's one thing to have a mental or intellectual knowledge of God, but I remind you this, demons have that. Demons have that. They don't have the living power of God on the inside. And so what the enemy wants you to do is know some things about God, but he doesn't want you to experience the kind of power that God has. Now, let me just say it like this. I want to to make this super clear, theologically speaking, so you get this. All right, I want you to think of three times in the Christian life, okay? The first one is when you become a Christian. The next time is when you're living as a Christian. And the final time is when you get to heaven. So let me just say this. Theologically, what we believe is that when you became a Christian, you were saved from the penalty of sin. One day when you get to heaven, you're going to be set free from the presence of sin. Right now, as a follower of Jesus, what's happening is you are learning to live free from the power of sin. So let me just make this really clear. So when you become a Christian, what God does is you give him all your sin and he gives you all of his righteousness. It's called the great exchange. It's wonderful. And what happens is, is that God looks at your sin and he says it's forgiven. It's like someone who picked up your tab that you couldn't pay. And so you are free from the penalty of that sin. He has paid your debt. Does that make sense? Now think about this. One day when you get to heaven, the Bible says you'll be free from the presence of sin. No more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. But right now, What Christians have to understand is you are learning to live free from the power of sin. That's why when you read Ephesians 6, or Romans 6 rather, you ever notice how many times the Apostle Paul says you are no longer slaves to sin? Because what happened is God has set you free from the power of demonic strongholds, but you got to understand who you are in Jesus. And you got to be able to tear down those lies that are keeping you believing that you have no power, you have no victory, you have no freedom. And so that's what the Spirit of God is doing in the midst of that. And here's the deal. Whether you see that or not does not matter. In fact, I would humbly submit this to you. You pray about it. I think the enemy is actually more longing for you to be unaware of that than aware of it. Because think about this, John chapter eight, you ever say this, you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. I always think of that movie where he says, you can't handle the truth. It's probably not a good movie to quote, I'm sorry about that. But I, I think of two things, I think of that movie, you know what else I think of? How many times I've quoted that verse to non-Christians. What's interesting is that verse really isn't for non-Christians. Listen to what it says. John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said, who did he say? To the people that believed in him. He said it to the church, to the disciples, if you will. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And notice what the people of God do. They go, but we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? And so here's the point that I want to make. You as a Christian, I believe this, you cannot be demonically possessed, but you can have areas where you are demonically oppressed, areas where you've been set free from the penalty of sin, but you've not stepped in the power, the power that has the ability to tear down those strongholds. And so you're still enslaved in some lie that the enemy's got you thinking that's true. 
some area that's become your reality in your mind. But the good news is that Jesus tears these things down. It's part of his job description. So let me just give you three things that I think will help you. When you think about strongholds or false views that you believe, there's three of them that I've found. There's probably many more. You can pray about these and see if there's others God give you. But here's three that I think will be really, really helpful in you identifying if this is an area in your life. The first is a false view of God. It's a stronghold of a false view of God. And this is a lie you believe about God. And so in essence with this, if you see God as distant or as unkind, if you see him almost like a cosmic sheriff who's waiting to catch you doing something wrong, if you have this notion that you have to perform in your heavenly Father's presence, it's quite possible you have a stronghold, a false view, where the enemy has taken some lie and he's got you to think this is who God is, although the Bible says that is not who your Father is. He is a good and loving heavenly Father. And what happens a lot of times is, especially if you've had a dysfunctional relationship with your Father, this can affect you. Because what happens is sometimes we put the face of our heavenly father or our earthly father on our heavenly father. And so if you have a dad who is verbally abusive, you have a dad who's distant. If you had a dad that loved you, but he never really showed interest in you, his way was just providing and taking care of you, but he never really had a relationship with you, you will carry some of that, if you're not careful, into your relationship with God. And you'll think, oh, he's just not that interested. He's busy. He's got an agenda. He's not good. And that's one of the false views that people have. The second one is it's a false view of self. It is a lie, not that you believe about God, it's a lie that you believe about yourself. And so in essence, I say this, if you almost have like a a low spiritual self-esteem, if you constantly feel like you are not worthy, if your past is constantly beating you up, if you have a guilt and a shame when you walk into the presence of God, like something's not right and you're almost thinking, what did I do today? What did I do today? What did I do today? Then it's quite possible what the enemy has done is he's taken a lie and he's made that a stronghold, some truth to you that's fueled by demonic forces and what is it doing? It's cutting you off from the freedom and the life that God has for you. And so what the enemy will do with this one is he'll often say, you didn't just make a mistake, you are a mistake. And he'll start to come in and whisper these things over and over. And here's the third one. This is the one I struggle with. It is a false view of sin. It is a lie you believe about sin. And so you believe that you could never overcome this area. You you believe you're defeated and think God can give others victory, but you'll struggle with this for the rest of your life. And this was mine. I fundamentally did not believe as a preacher, as a preacher, that God could set me free from pornography and deep down I wasn't even sure if I wanted to be. Because here's the problem with lies. What will happen is when you've carried something long enough, you don't know life outside of that thing. So if you've carried anger and cynicism your whole life, there's a part of you that doesn't know what it's like to let go of anger and cynicism and there's a fear attached, what happens if I let that thing go? And so people all the time, I meet with them and they'll say to me, I remember one years ago, I'll never forget this, speaking at a camp, and I spoke on the subject of forgiveness. This girl comes up to me and she says, I know I need to forgive. And I said, well, why don't you? And this is what she said to me. I have carried so much anger and bitterness towards my sister, I wouldn't know what to do if I let go with it. Her whole life was consumed with bitterness and anger. So what's next? 
And so, so much of our lives, we believe this false view that the enemy comes in, gets you to believe it's reality, it's fueled by him, and it cuts you off from freedom and life. Let me just say this. This is when you start to move towards a stronghold. A person has a stronghold when a lie becomes a truth to them. When a lie becomes a truth to them. Again, let me just say this very clearly. I do not believe you can be demonically possessed But like in my life, there is areas where the Holy Spirit consumed me, but there was an area that I did not have victory in. There was an area that was not surrendered to God, and there was a lie that was attached to that. And so let me just submit this again. If you've been struggling with something for 15, 10, 20 years, I want to humbly submit to you, maybe it's not a struggle, it's a stronghold. It's an area that started off as a lie, But now what's happened is become truth to you. And it's fueled by demonic forces and it is keeping you from deeper life and freedom. Let me just say this very clearly. One of the things, there's a difference between a struggle and a stronghold. A struggle feels like you got a choice. You will always have struggle and temptation in your life. I will always have struggle and temptation in my life. And so a struggle, you feel like, though, you got a choice. Like I can turn off the TV, I can make a decision, I can go another way, I can get out of that scenario. But when you have a stronghold, it's like there's a darkness attached to it. It's like there's a sense that you have no hope. And quite frankly, it's almost like your mind goes into autopilot because you believe this thing for so long, you just keep operating that way and you don't feel like you're ever going to scale the wall. And so let me just say this, if you have heard your entire life that God loves you, But when you sit down with him, you don't think he's that interested in you. You think he's probably distant or upset. It's quite possible you have a stronghold. Because the Bible says that God rejoices over us. The Bible says that God longs to meet with his children. But if you have this false view, then you will find yourself moving further and further away from God because there's a stronghold. Or if you understand that God has forgiven you, but you can't let go of something in your past. It's interesting. For most people I talk to, they're more aware, you ever notice this? We're more aware of who we aren't in Jesus than who we are. And so what happens is if you sit down and you resonate so much with the fact that you're a sinner saved by grace, but you can't even comprehend the fact that you're a saint, saint brought to glory, then maybe what the enemy's doing is he's getting you to focus on something where you fail to see who you are. The Bible says you're a treasured child of God, that that you're a beloved son or daughter. Interesting, you ever notice that verse? For you are God's masterpieces. You ever notice it doesn't say appliances? Think about this. I've never said the word masterpiece. It's an odd word. But you know what? It doesn't say appliances because appliances are mass-produced. Masterpieces are handmade. And what you got to understand is God doesn't love all the people out there. You're his masterpiece. And if you can't ever enter that thought or reality and you think, oh, God loves John, God loves someone else, God loves Brian, then perhaps the enemy has come in and he's got you to believe something that's fundamentally not true because you are a beloved child of God. Or if you think you're destined to grind it out for the next 10 or 30 years like I did, that deep down you can never truly be free from sin, from anger, from rage, from anxiety, from lust, from drunkenness, from greed, from codependence, from insecurity, then you have a false view of sin. And you believe the lie that is fueled by the enemy that your sin is greater than your Savior and it is keeping you from the freedom and the deeper spiritual life. So here's my second question. How do we overcome strongholds? How do we overcome strongholds? The first is this. 
It's not in your notes, but, but here's the first thing I'd say. You've got to become aware of it. You've got to know what it is you're fighting. Years ago when I was in college, I, uh, I broke my ankle, and uh, I thought I had a rash from the cast that I had on. Turns out I had a tissue infection. And so one of the things that I was applying over and over again was Neosporin. Do you know what's not very effective when you have a tissue infection? Neosporin. And so the reason I tell you this is you got to know what it is that you're going against. you got to have an awareness because if you have cancer, Tylenol won't do you all that much good. And so you got to understand if you got a struggle, that's different than a stronghold. And so this is what the Bible says about strongholds, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Notice this. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Think about this. Notice what Paul says. Pretty basic. You are human, but you don't battle like a human. And so let me just say this. You don't fight strongholds with New Year's resolutions. You don't fight strongholds with motivation and adrenaline. You don't fight strongholds with determination. And so what do you use? It says you use God's mighty weapons. And so what happens is here, you start to overcome strongholds not by your strength, but by the Spirit. Some people never find victory because they try to do all of it in their strength, in their motivation. You hear a sermon, I'm going to put this on my computer, I'm going to get an accountability group. Those are all wonderful things. But you need a different kind of power. You're dealing with a stronghold here. It is a lie that is fueled from the enemy. And yes, you need community around you, but you need the Spirit of God to empower you in this area and set you free. See, I believe what we need in this time and age is not more motivated Christians. What we need is transformed Christians. Think about this. Motivation is what you can do for a moment. I'll tell you, if you ask me, I'll say, hey, I run five days a week in my mind. Because I'm motivated. But when I get my shoes on and it's cold outside, I probably run two or three days a week. But you know what? Motivation will only take me so far. But transformation, transformation is what the Spirit does in you in a lifetime. I can be motivated for anything for a few months, but my question is not are you motivated by the things of God? Are you transformed by the Spirit of God? Because the Spirit of God, when you tap into that, you will face lions, you will face storms, you will face death, and you will have a confidence and a poise that is beyond you. Why? Because you have the Spirit of living God inside of you. And we don't need motivated Christians pumping themselves up. We need deep, deep surrender. And what our natural tendency as human beings are is to fight and to fight like humans. But Paul says, your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers. It's against dark forces. And so you've got to be aware of that. Listen to what 1 John 4, 3 says. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So notice again, he's saying, there are forces, whether you choose to realize it or not, there's a whole arsenal of spiritual forces going on. There are spirits, demonic forces, that are trying to keep you from knowing God. And how do they do that? They set up lies. They get you to believe certain false things. And it keeps you from knowing God. But here's the confident part. Here's the hope that you have. You, dear children, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. I love this. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Amen? 
And so you have to understand that, yes, you face a real enemy, and you face a real threat, but you have the living God on your side. And one of the things I want to give you is a picture that as I was thinking about this sermon, I thought just fit in so richly. But, you know, when I, when I was uh, dating my wife, one of the things that was interesting at her house, they had like 13 or 14 dogs. It was crazy. I didn't grow up with any animals in my house, so I walk in, and it's like a small zoo in their house, all right? And one of the dogs they had, I'll show you a picture of what it looked like. It was a Great Dane. It's a beautiful, massive animal. This thing, remember the Sandlot? It's like beast. That's what it was. And this thing was like a small horse. It did not run. It galloped, all right? What's interesting is uh, my mother-in-law denies it, but I'm convinced they had three girls in their family. Every time a male went over to the house, it accidentally attacked them. <laughs> I'm convinced they trained it. But here's the deal. I was one of the, my, my wife of vouchers, I was the only male that actually won Anna over in time. I waited till she was caged and I got around her started to build a friendship with her, and she ended up loving me. It was amazing. I called her my dog. In her house as well was a dog I was not as crazy about. It was a, don't do that. It was demonic, all right? <laughs> I know my mother-in-law is watching this, and this was probably one of her favorite dogs, but this, this dog was a nightmare, all right? Because this dog, it carried itself like it was a human being. I mean, it walked, and it strutted its stuff. It had pride, all right? It sat in a wing-back chair, and whenever you would walk into the room, it would just sort of look at you and it would bark. You know what this, cat, you know what this thing reminded me of? A cat. Yes, indeed. It just... That was Gene, by the way. He's already sent me a few cat pictures today. But here's the thing that was so interesting. I walked into this house and they would let... This was amazing to me, not having animals. They would let the Great Dane walk in the house. And the great dame would walk in, and all of a sudden, it would come in the living room where Emily, this King Charles Cavalier, was. And what would happen is, Emily, as soon as she saw us walk in the room, she would stick her little head up, and she would begin to bark. And here's what was so fascinating to me. This giant, small dinosaur <laughs> was afraid of this little dog. And so the moment this King Charles Cavalier would begin to bark, I would just see Anna do this. And I'm like, pull it together, dog, you know? I'm like, look in the mirror, eat that thing, you know? <laughs> and so it was just like, it was amazing to me that like nothing seemed to break whenever this dog would come in, same thing, head down. This happened multiple times. One day, I don't know if dogs have bad days, one day I was convinced Anna had a bad day. She rolled in and the same thing happened. I saw Emily raise her little head like a little diva and she just, she just barked. But this time, Anna wasn't faced. This time, Anna just stared her down. And I'm just sitting here watching this. Emily barks again, Anna's not faced. And then in this moment, the most epic thing happened. Anna barked, and it was like a small roar. <laughs> and I watched this little dog that had bullied this big dog get so afraid she hopped out of the chair, ran out of the room, and to this day, I'm convinced that Anna looked at me and smiled, all right? I'm just convinced <laughs> something happened in that moment. Now, 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 why do I tell you this? Because that day, Anna found out who she was. That day, Anna found a strength she did not have before. 
That day, Anna found a power she did not have before. And why do I tell you that? I believe today is the day some of you find a strength you had not had before. Some of you find a power you had not had before. Some of you become awakened to who you are in Jesus. Amen? And so what I want to say to you is you have a real enemy that is barking at you and bullying some of you. And he has told you, you are destined to grind this thing out. There is no victory. This is who God is. This is who you are. This is what your sin is. And he's a bully and he's a real threat. But you have the living God inside of you this morning. And you have a grave robbing, water walking, stronghold breaking God. And I'm here to remind you of that so that when you struggle, you look that thing in the eye and you go, yes, that is big, but my God is bigger. And some of you, that is the realization you need. You do not fight this in your own strength. You fight it in the spirit of God where you awaken to who you are, a beloved son or daughter, where you understand the power that is in and reigning through you. And that's the key that I want you to see. And so how do you overcome these strongholds? It's exactly what I just said, by surrendering to the spirit by surrendering to the spirit. You don't motivate, you don't try harder. Yes, you bring other people into this, but you surrender to the spirit and you surrender your stronghold, you bring it to the light and the spirit sets you free. And you go, well, how do you know this? Because it's Jesus' job description. Let me remind you, Luke chapter four, verse 18, to proclaim liberty to the captives. I have come to set at liberty those who are depressed, are oppressed. The spirit sets us free. So what you do is you, you submit to God in your heart. Hey, I have this area that's not a struggle. It's an area that I've been trying to fight with worldly weapons, with motivation, determination. But God, I give this thing to you. And what he will begin to do as you get honest, Keyword being honest, because sometimes we say we want healing and freedom and sometimes we don't. So one transformation happened was when I had this stronghold, I sat before God and I said, I'm not convinced I want to let this thing go but I'm asking you in your power to break me of this. And as I brought that to him, he began to free me, and I believe he'll begin to do that for you even right now. And you go, well, how do you know that? Because this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.17. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, amen? So let me ask you this question. Is the spirit of the Lord in this room? Is the spirit of the Lord in your, Lord in your car? Okay, is the spirit of the Lord in your workplace? In your room? then here's the good news. It doesn't say where the spirit of the Lord is and when you do these 17 things. Where the spirit of the Lord is and when you try harder. It says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom because there is a power operating inside of you that will transform you. And what he'll do is he'll begin this healing process. Now let me be very clear on this. You're still gonna need people to come alongside of you. When God began to heal me of this, I really believe he set me free, but I had some things I needed to work through. I needed some people to come alongside of me. And if you've had an abusive relationship, or if you've got some bitterness and unforgiveness, you're gonna need a community of people to walk alongside of you and bring some truth. One of the things that we have at this church that I am so grateful to be a part of, Perry and all the pastors before have set up such an amazing culture of care. And Gene, who wrongly cheered for the cat a second ago, um, is one of our care pastors. And what they do is they want to come alongside of people. So I really believe Jesus will set you free, but you're going to need people to come alongside of you and help you navigate stuff. At the end of this service, I invite you, if God's put something on your heart, even if it's a pornography struggle, 
then come share that and there'll be some tools that are helpful, but the healing comes from God. But what happens is you need a community of people. It's also things like TPM, transformational prayer. Our founding pastor, Perry, would say it was one of the most transformational things in his life. Well, what happens is in transformational prayer, God begins to replace the lies with truths. Even celebrate recovery. Do you know this? There are 100 people, roughly, that gather every week for Celebrate Recovery. Isn't that amazing? 100 people that just say yes to Jesus. We want to get honest about this. And so we have so many tools that will come along, but you're going to need to get with God and process this. But here's what I want to do right now. I want to just submit to you, if you have an anger issue, maybe it's not an anger issue, maybe it's a stronghold of sin. If you've been struggling, you ever notice people talk about this? I've heard people say this all the time. They'll say, you know what? I don't know what came over me, but I've had this anger. I grew up with it. I got it from this season in my life. I've got this cynicism. I don't know where it came from. I've just got this, this crippling fear. I've always had it my entire life. And what happens is the enemy comes in, and it's not just sort of a struggle. There's a stronghold that it's like you believe that is destined to be your reality. And some of you, as I speak about this, you go, I don't even know if I want to change this. Well, that's what I want to invite you to do, to bring this to God, and he will be faithful. And one of the other things I want to invite you to do is I brought this area to God. One of the things that practically I did is I fasted. I invite you to fast one day this week if God brings something to mind. There's nothing powerful in fasting, quite the opposite. Fasting is your way of saying, I can't do it. It's by your power alone. But what I want to do right now is I want to bring up these three lies, and I just want you to ask God right now. This could be the most important part of the service. I want you just to ask God, is there any false views or strongholds you have? Is there a false view of God where as I sit in here, you have a knowledge about God, but you don't see him as good and kind. You do not see him as a good father. You see him as a father on mission, a father who provides for you, but he didn't care for you. He didn't want to spend time with you. But the Bible says you're a friend of God. You ever think about that? God doesn't just love you, he likes you. I love my kids, but I like my kids. I want to spend time with them. Is there some block in your mind that as you sit down, you go, God would not desire to spend time with me? What would happen this morning if you awakened the reality that the God of the universe who hung the moon and the stars in the sky calls you friend? That's a stronghold that if torn down would transform your life. Or what if there's this thought in your mind where the reason you're not stepping into the power of God is because all the enemy has done is remind you who you are not. I'm this person, I'm this person, I've done this, I've I've struggled with this, I've never overcame this, and maybe today the lie that the enemy is bringing that God's gonna expose this morning is you have the power of God, you're a beloved son or daughter of God. Not when you're performing right now. Right now. That you have the righteousness of Jesus if you're in him. And so I invite you, is there a false view? Maybe it's a false view of sin. You've been watching that sin bark at you and bully at you and you believe the lie, you sat in this room and you've just thought, you know what, I don't know if this whole Jesus thing is fully for me because I can't even find victory in this one area. And the enemy has come in and he has barked at you and bullied you, but today is the day where you understand what that thing is and you become set free. And you find out who you are in Jesus. So let me just give you a second right now, right where you are. Ask the Spirit of God if there's any stronghold in your life, if there's any false view, and if he brings anything up, give that to him. Just give that to him. As best as you can. God, I've got this false view here. 
I believe this about you. I believe this about myself. I believe this about my struggle. God, I bring it to the light. That's all I can do. And when you bring that to God, whatever that thing is, whatever false view, whatever stronghold it is, just ask him if there's any truth he wants to replace it with this morning. If there's a false view of him, ask him how he wants you to see him. If it's a false view of yourself, ask God how he sees you. If it's a false view of sin, ask him what he wants to say about that sin. And before we close out with the final chorus of the song, I Speak Jesus, I want to just pray this prayer over you in agreeance. Lord, I agree with my brothers and sisters that Satan must obey you, Jesus. Jesus, you set people free, and we declare on the authority of your word and the blood of Jesus, we declare freedom, freedom, freedom. I command every spirit of lust, pornography, adultery, pride, or control, anger or manipulation, insecurity, anxiety, fear, worry, every demonic spirit, every addiction to drugs and alcohol, food, bitterness, and resentment, envy and jealousy that has told us that we cannot win, that has caused us to believe a lie. It's by the authority of Jesus Christ and our power as your children. I declare that every spirit that once held a stronghold on us, I proclaim freedom in the name of Jesus. Would you fill us right now with your power, with love, with a sound mind, and we say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you bring liberty. And it is in the amazing, mighty, wonderful name of Jesus, everyone agreed and said, amen. Can we just thank God for his goodness this morning? We'll be done in a couple minutes, but I thought of no better way as we close out. You'll be done in two minutes. I want you to stand up real quick. I thought we'd just be reminded of why we can believe that there is freedom. And it's the song we sang, I Speak the Name of Jesus, because our confidence is not in a pastor or in a church. Our confidence is not in anything other than the name of Jesus. Amen? So as we close out, I thought, what a way just to thank God for his freedom and his victories. We just close out singing this chorus one more time of I speak the name of Jesus. And I just invite you at this. One of the things I sense God's doing is creating a culture of worship. Amen? Amen. And so for some of you, you've told me, you know what? You can try all you want, but I'm never going to sing. <laughs> and a few of you have come back and said, I broke. All right? So for those of you who go, you know what, singing's not my thing. I'm asking you just to take a step today. Maybe sing. Some of you, you sing, but you're like at a one or two. You sort of mumble the words. That's fine. Maybe sing at a four or five today. Some of you, you respond to God and, and you sort of sing. But maybe today you even just sort of lift your hand or lift your heart or do something as a way of responding. Whatever that is, there's no pressure. But we want to be people who move closer to the name of Jesus and respond to him, respond to him, respond to him for his goodness. So as we sing, take a step in your worship. Let's close out and honor God. 
We are grateful you joined us for today's episode of the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This week's ministry spotlight is the Brookwood Worship Choir. If you're 16 or older and interested in singing in the choir, we'd love for you to join us for the choir kickoff dinner. It's Wednesday, January 31st, 6 p.m. in Ponte. To learn more and register, go to brookwoodchurch.org slash ministry spotlight. You're invited also to join us for the Collective Night of Worship. It's Friday, February 23rd from 7 until 9, right here in the Brookwood Auditorium. There is a daily devotional companion for the Jesus at the Center of Freedom series. This will help you spend time with God every day. You can find the daily devotional on the Brookwood Church app. And on the app, you'll notice you can share the day's devotion you're reading with your friends and family through text messaging, email, or your social media. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you during our next episode.